0: Eddie, how's it going? Hey, doing great. Glad to be here again and uh, just kind of talking markets, a uh, little bit of outlook, looking back and uh, just kind of uh, trying to keep the conversation going and sharing some uh, good things with uh, folks and uh, hopefully it's informative and a little helpful. Absolutely. It, uh, it's it been a challenge so far this year. <laughs> tough,
1: tough for uh, investments and, and other things. So, um, you know, before we jump into charts, anything you want to start us off with?
0: Yeah, no, I think part of uh, what we're doing is uh, just a small preview. We're looking a little bit back, but also looking ahead. And um, what we're looking at is what's a probable outcome. And, um, you know, probability is evidence based, and uh, you have some data to point to that kind of uh, gives you a sense of uh, affirmation and certainty. Not uh, 100%, but, uh, you know, anything is possible. And I think part of what we talk about often and we hear from folks is, you know, there's a lot of information coming. You've got, you know, all kinds of forecasts talking about stagflation, recession coming, you know, you're seeing some uh, news of tech stocks being, um companies laying off workers, um, inflation's high, defaults on car payments and all that stuff. So all this stuff is cascading and you, you get the feeling that the wheels are falling off and it's all downhill hill from here and, I mean, it's not good news. I'm not trying to be overly optimistic, but, you know, in a broader picture, okay, what are we doing? What's the purpose of a portfolio investment and kind of uh, continue to to be aware that there's a lot of parts that go into this. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just want to kind of talk about that and, you know, really hone in on what's probable and uh, kind of focus on that as we continue conversation with folks. Absolutely. I think that's a good intro. Uh,
1: This is In the short term, maybe one of the more pessimistic kind of short term outlooks that we have uh, from everything we've recorded the last couple of years, but it doesn't change the long term story, which is we're long term investors. We're not looking for what's going to happen a day from now, a month from now, a year from now, even we're looking for decades and uh, put you in a position to reach all of your goals, whatever they are. over the long run. And that's that's how we invest. That's why we invest. That's why we do it the way that we do. So uh, with that said, let's start kind of short term though. And we're going to look at what's happened so far uh, this year. So I've got up and I think you can see now we have um, year to date. You've seen this chart many times before, I think, uh, you know, this is Various investments that people can go into, and I'll just kind of go from the best so far this year down uh, so that we can kind of talk through quickly. Again, this is year to date. So best of our normal kind of investments we talk about is gold. Gold is held up. This is as of the close yesterday. That's Monday the 27th. Um, So gold's basically flat for the year. We have bonds are down 12%. If you were to buy just a broad bond index, uh, you'd be down 12% for the year. 14% down is emerging markets, 18, almost 19% for developed international. Then we have uh, 19% for kind of total US stocks. And then the worst place to be invested is that NASDAQ, the tech stocks, that we have. So it has been a challenge so far this year. One thing that we you know, have talked about historically is bonds tend to be a good diversifier that uh, helps you as stocks are down, bonds do well, but this is a different time period. And the biggest thing that's changed is kind of twofold. Uh, and they, they go hand in hand. Inflation is high, that's really bad for bonds. It's also bad for stocks as you can see, but also interest rates are, are being, uh, are rising somewhat in response to that inflation. So that's where we are, kind of are now. Is bonds have not done their job. Uh, it Doesn't really matter how aggressive you were invested, if you had ten percent bonds or eighty percent bonds, you're down about the same amount for the mm-hmm. year uh, across the board, and uh, that doesn't normally happen. But that's what's happened so far. That doesn't mean that's what's going to happen in, in the future. But before we kind of jump to the future, I want to quickly pull up uh, what we have for expanding now for 10 years. We're long-term investors. We want to invest for the long run. This is total return uh, that, that for all those same areas to invest. So it's almost exactly flipped on its head. The, the mm-hmm. best performer of the last 10 years is the NASDAQ tech stocks, which is the worst year to date. The worst performer for 10 years is actually gold. Gold doesn't yeah. produce any income. It uh, kind of stays pretty steady and uh, only up 11% over the last 10 years. Everything's up over yeah. the long run. This includes the drop, uh, the COVID drop uh, in 2020. This also includes obviously what's happened so far this year, and you're still up. If you can stay invested for the long run, you're going to be okay. And that's what ultimately this
0: all comes down to. Uh, do yeah. you see anything here that? jumps out to you yeah no i think uh what you said a little bit earlier in terms of the you know how bonds are down and it's a little unusual you know it's been kind of uh and i think that's what's aggravated the feeling of uncertainty and fear for folks um and i think part of this is uh, you know i think about you know there's we all have a different mix of things and this is part of the planning side of it is is But time horizon is huge, you know, uh, goals. And I'll give you an example. We've talked about them before, but we have a 96-year-old client, um, very um, engaged still in his investments and all that sort of stuff. And he has absolutely no concern about where his portfolio is about running out of money. His goal is, is you try to preserve as much of it to pass it on as an inheritance to other folks, have another client that is, um, you know, just entered retirement and they have a whole different set of calculus that's concerned, which it's medical care. There's other factors involved there. And then, you know, obviously the, um, uh, The investment portfolio is, you know, fueling their retirement years and funding all those sorts of things, whereas a job used to provide for it. So all those things are important. Um, Realizing that, you know, the whole big picture is a big, uh, you know, Boeing jet. Uh, but the investment portfolio is the fuel that gets that thing in the air. And how does that work for all of us? It's a little bit different. And, um, you know, it's a lot of information is changing, but uh, again, the big picture is 10 years. And, you know, how, what are we doing this medium say to stay invested in uh, give yourself the most upside for the 10 years is, is the big thing. And there's a lot of emotion involved in that, but that's one of the things that points out or sticks out to me, I should say. Absolutely. Um,
1: you know, it's easy to, to focus on the day-to-day moves or month-to-month moves of the market. And, you know, you open your statement from Schwab Mm -hmm. every month and you see the numbers are down again. And pretty much every month this year, it's been that way, whether it's stocks or bonds. And, um, but it's important to remember why we're doing what we're doing. And this is all, this is not just numbers on a page. Uh, This is all a part of the goals that every client has and each one's unique and we have things tied to it. Uh, There's a reason why, we have uh, money and bonds for every client. It's not because not just because we want to have a hedge on the downside for yeah. stocks, but also, that's cash. That's cash Mm -hmm. that you can withdraw from the portfolio for our clients that are retired. You've got more money in bonds because you have more cash needs and more money that's going to come out. But we want you to be able to weather through a decade of down returns for stocks and know I've got enough bonds coming due. They're going to pay you out and covers all the things, whether it's the healthcare costs that you mentioned for that one client, or it's our 96-year-old client who wants Mm -hmm. to make sure there's something to pass on to his kids whenever that happens. so kind of with all that, I want to start, I want to talk a little bit more briefly about stocks, just because that is that is the one that probably is the scariest number you see. Uh, it's down the most for the year, and it's the one that we want a lot of upside, but know that it can go down a lot. But then we're also going to talk uh, even more about bonds. Um, if you've worked with me long enough, you know I geek out about bonds. I think it's a really cool part of the market that most people don't understand all that much. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, hopefully in a way that makes sense on on where, how we got to where we are. Uh, but, but talking first about stocks, so a bear market is defined as a 20% drop from the peak. And the peak for stocks, the S&P 500, was... Beginning of the year, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so a couple of weeks ago, S&P 500, which is the largest 500 companies in the US, entered a bear market, 20% drop. Since 1929, there have been about 25 uh, of these drops of, of bear markets. So that means every three to four years, you expect that we'll enter a bear market. You should expect, if you're invested in stocks, that every three to four years on average, We are in a bear market for stocks. Mm -hmm. That being said, the good news is uh, if you look out from bear markets, once you hit that number, you go 20, 25% down 75% of the time. Stocks are up within three months and up on an average of 6.4% from that bottom. And a year after falling into a bear market, the S&P 500 is up again 75% of the time and up On average, 17%, which means from today going forward, not that this is going to happen exactly the way it has in the past, but if we just follow the averages, stocks should be up most of the time a year from now. And even if they're not, the longer you invest, the more likely you are to have the upsides. Um, On average, the peak to trough it takes 52 trading days after adding the bear market before you hit the bottom. What that actually means is mid August is on average, mid August of 2022 is about when we would hit uh, the bottom. We're not going to trade around that with some expectation that this is going to be normal. Uh, There's a lot of other things that you could be bearish about. Mm -hmm. There's inflation. We obviously know that. We've talked about it. We'll talk about it some more. We know the Fed is continuing to raise rates. That has some downward pressure on stocks. And obviously, the war in Ukraine uh, has a long-term impact uh, Mm -hmm. for markets and everything else. So you add all that up. There's a lot of reasons to say, oh, this isn't going to bottom out in October, in August. Uh, sorry. But there's also reasons to say maybe the worst is close to being over. We don't want to bet one way or the other. We want to take yeah. a very disciplined approach to say, you know, buy when things are cheaper. Everything's on sale now. Yeah. yeah. Buy stocks cheaper. You can buy bonds even cheaper now. Yeah. Everything's on sale. Um, so before I kind of jump into our
0: since 1929 chart, anything you want to add? Yeah, no, I think it's good. I mean, uh, we all we always assume the worst, right? And I, I can just tell you personally, I remember I was, uh, you know, got into, temp, I was in 10th grade. I first learned about the Great Depression and, you know, financial markets. And that was my first exposure to things. So uh, anytime I've, you know, uh, used to hear about it, you know, the natural inclination is that's the worst case. It's going to be this way. You're going to have all these ramifications you have for that. And I think, um, you know, I'm not saying we will never experience anything like that. I sure hope not. Um, anything is possible. But again, we're talking about probability. What are, what are the, from a long-term perspective, what are those things that do that? And, you know, in terms of Stocks specifically, since we're kind of starting on that, um, I'm reading a book right now by Thomas Phelps. It's called "100 to 1 in the Stock Market." And It just talks about performance of markets over you know decades, and it, it singles out some specific positions. But it just talked about how uh, there was wealth accumulation in the market, and there was a quote there I think is important that I'm going to read. It's by a guy named J- uh, George H. Baker, but he was talking this specifically about stocks, and uh, there's a big part of this that I think is Important. And again, you're not all in on this, but this is, uh, I think, key. But he said this, to make money in stocks, you have to have three things, um, the vision to see them, the courage to buy them, and the patience to hold them. And all those three, all those three things, I think we kind of hit the first two, the third part is being tested now because of this unusual cycle that we're in and you know everything that happened as quickly as it happened I think that's the other side of this is this you know things were going really well Um, you know we thought going back to the reflation when uh, we got out of the COVID the vaccines the market opened up people were back working savings rates were up people were spending money and then you had all the inflation prints started hitting and obviously the Ukraine war and it was just a quick 180. So the patience aspect of this has kind of been uh, important, but going back and having perspective, we're looking at probabilities and what is, the, what is the most evidence-based things. And again, as you mentioned, doesn't mean that S&P is gonna go back 17%, um, but historically speaking, we have a good track record from you know more than a century to say, hey, th- this is a pretty well um, predictable, process here so
1: absolutely sure. and, and um just to add a little bit more color to that uh, you know this is showing that that chart that I, I referenced in terms of the number of bear markets so the shaded colors is your bear markets and uh, the duration of bear markets is measured from the top to the bottom uh, you know when mm-hmm. do you do that and then when does it turn and you can see that we've highlighted some some pretty bad ones uh mm-hmm. you, you've got the great depression took 783 days and was down 83 percent from top to bottom Mm-hmm. Uh, before it before it came back. Um, you only had 33, the, 33 days from top to bottom before it returned back in the COVID uh, downturn in 2020. We've had 161 days so far. And as of a couple of weeks ago, it's down 22%. It's about the same uh, where we are now. So you look at all this and there are times when it's pretty bad and it, mm-hmm. it can last a while. Yeah. Um, it can last multiple years here. And yet, even if you bought the peak of any of these right before the market fell right before the tech bubble burst. Mm-hmm. If you just start patient, as you said, the kind of the third, third piece there, you're going to be fine. You're going to mm-hmm. make money in the long run and nobody should have money in stocks that you're going to need for the next decade period, mm-hmm. which means all the money that's in stocks, you can just close your eyes and wake up 10 years from now and say, okay, what's the price at now? And if it's higher, yeah. who cares the path along the mm-hmm. way? Um, these are better days to buy when things are down. We like mm-hmm. that it's better, yeah. better to invest, but through all of those time periods, they come back and this time is no different from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at least that's, that's what we're betting on. Yeah. This time is, is the same in terms of if you just are patient, you're going to be fine.
0: Yeah. With the stock. Yeah. No, that's good. And like I say, I I don't know, I I just talking to friends and all that stuff, there's just, I I think the natural takeaway, although it's not intended, but you know, a lot of the news cycle is, is, you know, it's Armageddon, the world is ending. And uh, listen, we've got a heck of a lot of things that are downward pressure, that are not fun, that are concerning, the fear inducing for sure. Um, And, you know, I, we, those things are challenges. I mean, there's a lot of things when it comes to, you know, energy independence and the price of oil. I mean, every time you fill up your gas tank, I mean, I have friends all the time texting me a picture, you know, it's $130 to fill up a, a truck and they're telling me not boy, no no good. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I understand, you know, these things are real because we've never experienced any of this. So, um, you know, again, I, I think as you mentioned, uh, we think it's going to be long-term, it's going to be good and uh, it's going to be okay. Um, but it's certainly not fun in this process of the trough, if you will. Right. For sure. I, um, you know, as
1: you mentioned that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of news. I mean, every day there's, there's something new that's mm-hmm. out there. Uh, we just talked about an article last week of, you know, record number of increase of, of people that are behind on rent, like yep. in, in no time at all. And uh, the number of people that are afraid to be evicted in the next couple months yep. and um, you know, inflation, obviously the gas pump and everything else. Part of our job, um, as we see it, is just to set realistic expectations, both yeah. for the short term and the long term. The long term, the realistic expectation is just stay invested. You'll be fine. I mean, that that's as simple as it can be. Mm-hmm. The short term probably will continue to be bumpy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons, but inflation's you know we've talked about that and we're going to continue to talk about there are a lot of signs that some inflation is turning around that the fed and central banks around the world have increased rates enough that inflation is starting to roll over a little bit that being said there are two factors that really really matter to long term inflation and there's nothing the fed can do mm-hmm. to change it and that's that's energy prices Fed cannot increase supply of oil. Uh, they have no control over that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and food prices, which are related mm-hmm. to both the war uh, in, in Ukraine and also energy prices anyway no. you add no. those two up, those are key components to inflation that but from most macroeconomic perspectives are not going to change for 18 months. No. So other parts like used car prices have already started to come down. Things like that, uh, mortgage uh, or or real estate prices, because yep. of interest rates going up, real estate prices are actually showing signs of of coming back down. Those factors of inflation seem to be getting somewhat under control and, and even going yep. down. But you're going to have this headwind on on returns and everything else. Uh, because of food and energy prices, there's not a whole lot you can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe the worst thing you can do is to have some sort of gas tax repealed because uh, that's just going to increase demand and do nothing Mm -hmm. to supply. It's kind of the the opposite of what you want from an inflation perspective. But uh, there's not a lot other than than increase in supply of things uh, to really fix these problems. We haven't even talked about, and we don't need to spend time because we have the last couple of times talking about Shanghai and China in general and closing ports and that long-term impact from supply chain. All that stuff is going to have a major impact that we're not done with. Yeah. Um, so as I as I kind of mentioned, uh, we have seen around the world, you've got inflation and interest rate hikes. And, and this is just showing a chart it's by Visual Capitalist. I'm a big fan of their stuff um, that they produce. Just a good way to look at data this is from January to June. Uh, uh, going up and down is your inflation rate around the world. Going left to right is the interest rate. And you can see around the world, you've got inflation. All, these, mm-hmm. all of these are up. And almost everything is increased interest rates. Yeah. Basically, uh, Japan and the Eurozone are the only two that haven't increased rates. And you can see that United States is one of the most dramatic moves to the right um, mm-hmm. uh, across the board, but this is happening all the way around the world. And there's nothing really that uh, the Fed can do more <laughs> at mm-hmm. this point of raising yep. rates. Now we expect rates to continue to rise and, we're, and that leads into the bond market that we'll talk about, but uh, anything else jump out to you?
0: Yeah, no. uh, I was. You talked about you know the things with food prices and energy and the Fed raising rates. All that stuff's good. I mean, another thing I was uh, just popped up here uh, is I mean, this is a crazy number, but you know, uh, Americans are sitting currently on eight hundred and fifteen billion dollars worth of savings. Which is, you know, you take that and then you have the demand component for energy or food prices. Like you know, um, I mean, could you imagine being in a Fed FOMC meeting? talking about all these things, trying to figure out what's the best solution or the silver bullet to get this. And there's a lot of things that are working out of the system, um, which is, you know, if we put ourselves in that shoes and we're trying to put our hands around every specific thing that's leading to an outcome to bring about stability and certainty, it's, I mean, it's just a gigantic amount of information. And um, we, we can predict and, you know, reasonably expect that some of these things that are happening, as you mentioned, you know, let's take mortgage rates. Well, you know, interest rates have risen, you know, you've seen some demand temper because now, uh, you know, Mortgages are a lot more expensive for folks to buy. So the demand is going down. Um, same thing with, you know, you're going to have possibly, you know, some folks are, you know, who use credit cards in the bass. Well, they can't, you know, demand for purchasing is going to go down some. I and there's some mm-hmm. other articles on that. So, um, you know, there's so much we can control and, right. um, you know, having a plan for the future. And currently making sure that, you know, you have the income that you need now, if you need mm-hmm. income from your portfolio, that's something else that we were visiting and talk to folks all the time, just to make sure because, hey, you know, you had a plan in uh, the end of the December, well, you know, it's a whole, whole different calculus right now in six months in a short time mm-hmm. for someone who's retired, who needs the income for the portfolio, what they need uh, in many cases. So uh, it's part of the ongoing conversations we have with folks. And, um, you know, it, it's it may change in two months. Uh, we, we're, we'll be on it, right. but... We we'll just have to see what these conditions are, if you will.
1: Absolutely. Um, one one big concern that's out there is known as stagflation, and that's mm-hmm. that you have high inflation with a reset paired with a recession, where you have inflation and high unemployment, and you have um, that's kind of the worst of both worlds. And yeah. and that is not likely to happen. That's not the 50, 50th percentile base case that we would say, but it's also not impossible. And and it is more and more likely uh, the more things that come out when you have, as we said, the food and the energy prices are likely to stay elevated. That's where you could have inflation, even though the economy is contracting. Yep. And that's a, that's a problem. And that's really hard to invest in. And that's mm-hmm. part of why the 70s were really difficult to invest in. And yet, if you bought in 1966, which was the worst time to retire, was 1966, uh, at least historically, and you stayed invested over the long run, you're fine. Mm -hmm. you're going to be okay. And all of our financial projections take that into account for not just what's already happened, but worse than what's already happened. And we've already built in that margin of safety. That doesn't mean we sit idly and do nothing, Mm -hmm. Um, but it does mean we need to take a longer view of, again, what's the purpose of this and and why are we doing that? Yeah. Now with that, I kind of want to close with talking a little bit about bonds. Um, Mm -hmm. So, if you worked with with me long enough, uh, you've seen a couple different shifts. So you go back uh, many years. We're buying bonds. We we like bonds, locking in those rates, holding bonds to maturity. Then starting about 2020, um, especially after the the fall of of the market, the, the stock market, we've been selling bonds from t- in 2020 and 2021, and now six months later. Now might be the first time in a while that we're going to be buying, not just a little bit of bonds, but buying a lot of bonds for clients. Yeah. And I've actually already gotten a few client questions for meetings we've had the last couple of weeks saying, well, I thought we were selling bonds. Mm-hmm. And that was true, but the market conditions have changed and we need to change with it. And so this is, uh, I kind of want to walk through what's changed, what's different mm-hmm. today and uh, where we go from here. So for, Next chart that I have for us, this is looking at the yield curve, which I'll describe what that is in a minute. And how that's changed every month of the year so far this year. So the yield curve is showing you, this is just U.S. treasuries. We actually buy municipal bonds, which municipal bonds kind of across the board are a half a percent to 1% higher. That's just generally where we, we land. Mm-hmm. But the yield curve is looking at three month, one year, two year, five year, 10 year, and 30 year bonds. Those are typical bond uh, that you can buy. And when you buy at those levels uh, or those maturities, how much do you earn? per year in interest. And mm-hmm. so back in December, the end of the year, beginning of this year, a three-month bond was paying 0.06%. That's not a typo. <laughs> um, barely anything. And even a 30-year bond at that time was you were only going to earn 1.9% per year. Yep. And then you can see that in January, rates went up. February, rates went up. March, rates jumped, especially on the two-year and the five-year level. Pretty big jump here. Then we went again in April. Um, May was very similar to April. And now here we are. This, is, again, it goes back a couple of weeks. But June, interest rates. What can you buy with your money? <laughs> you take money and you go buy a bond. What can you buy? Now we can buy a one-year bond paying 2.8%. Guaranteed, locked in, U.S. government bond. If they don't have the money, they're just going to print it and give it to you guaranteed security, you're going to get 2.8%. Yep. And we can buy a two-year, we can buy a five-year, five-year at 3.5%. I am much, much, much more excited to buy a two-year bond at 3.28% than 0.73%. Yep. I am happy to lock up money for two years at those rates compared to where we were. So we were selling down here. We were selling when rates were very low. Yep. And now that rates have risen prices of bonds have come down because rates move inverse of interest or price moves inverse of interest rates. So now we can buy at 3.28 for a two-year bond. And and you can see the rest here. As this has happened, it becomes more and more and more attractive to buy bonds. The best predictor of future returns for bonds is current interest rates, Mm -hmm. which means if we buy a two-year bond, you hold it, you're locked in. You're going to get paid the 3.28% plus you get your principal back. This makes so much more sense to buy now than it did before, mm-hmm. even if we have inflation. Now, I, I had a great question yesterday from a client and, and she said, yes, but aren't I still losing out to inflation? That if if we have inflation of 6% and I'm only mm-hmm. earning 3%, aren't I still losing? And I said, well, yes, but let's compare. Let's let's look at what you're comparing to. Mm-hmm. You're comparing to keeping up with inflation. The only thing that I know we can buy that keeps up with inflation is an I bond. Mm-hmm. Well, you're limited to ten thousand dollars per tax yeah. so there's only so much I can do with that. Yep. But what are your other alternatives? Your other alternatives, if you don't buy bonds, and let's say inflation six percent for the next year, I don't know what it's going to be, but let's just use that number. Yeah, I can buy a bond at three, three and a half. Okay, that's one. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I've i lost a little bit, but at least I made some money. Nope. Number two, I can hold cash. Well, I just lost 6% to inflation there. Nope. I can buy stocks, which may or may not bottom out. or And we could be in one of those longer term. If we go to recession, I would expect stocks to do pretty poorly. Let's say stocks are down 10%. Now you're down 16% to inflation, mm-hmm. 10 plus the six. Compared to all of my alternatives... I'll take the bonds every day of the week (laughs) when we're there. The downside to investing in bonds at this point, and the the only kind of two things that I see are if rates continue to rise higher and higher and higher, higher than are expected, then you're still going to have a similar dynamic of what you had so far this year, which is in the short term, you lose some money in bonds. Your bonds, if you sold them, aren't going to be worth as much. But if we buy bonds and hold them to maturity, we don't care about the price in the meantime Yep, because you're going to get your interest and you're going to get paid the principal at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, that's one factor, which is if rates continue to rise faster than expected, then we've got a, a, little bit of downward pressure. But number two, yeah. um, the other thing that can happen is we have to – money has to come from somewhere. So it, it either comes from bonds maturing. We have cash. We have cash on the sidelines. Maybe we sell a little bit of gold, mm-hmm. something else. Well, we could have bought stocks. And so if this is the bottom and we buy some bonds, you lose some upside. You're not mm-hmm. going to make quite as much as you could have. Yeah. And that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um but we're not selling out of all your stocks or anything close to that. Mm-hmm. We're rebalancing the portfolio. We'll buy some bonds at much better rates, lock those in and you'll be pretty happy to uh, clip those coupons and, and get paid and, and know that you've got the money yeah. uh, in
0: your account. Yeah, no, that's good. Listen, I think uh, just, just, your chart where you talked about just a short amount of time where you were recommending selling now you're looking at buying for some folks just because of the rates mm-hmm. um to your point is you're we're, there's so much things that have changing at such a rapid pace probably more so than any of us experienced for sure over the last 10 to 20 years um and there's things like that that are going to change. And you, you mentioned the I-bonds. Well, you know, there's younger clients that we have that, um, you know, are still investing and preparing for the future. They have excess cash. What are you doing? Well, we're not recommending a muni bond for them, but we're saying, Hey, if you don't need this money, we're recommending you put it here. So those are all the things that we're looking and talking to folks and having conversation with folks to say what's best for them. And kind of going back to, we talked to Neil, time timer is huge too. So um it, and this is part of going, what we've talked about, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but having a well-diversified portfolio based on your horizon, your goals, and, you know, the duration of when you need income or, you know, for your portfolio to live and eventually get to the point where you're doing like you for a 96-year-old client where he's planning to invest to have an inheritance for his family, which is a big goal of his. So um, there's a life cycle to all of this. Um, There's a hundreds of different inputs to each individual person but all those things um are what we're looking at and having conversations with folks and um again uh, recognizing that's a lot of fear out there and uh, we understand and that's why you know you i know you feel a lot of phone calls and that sort of stuff and we're here for that to, to say hey you know um if i'm here to help you schedule folks to make sure they have face time with you if they want a meeting or they have something they want to talk about so um there's just a lot of data, but we're we're looking at it. We're planning methodically. Uh, there's a process here to to constantly be monitoring this and responding as see fit. And for you to recommend, mm-hmm. I remember when you told me, I think it's time to be buying bonds. I was like, uh, you just were saying it's time to sell bonds. And you actually even right. caught me off guard. And um, there's there's reasons why though, right? For sure. So uh, I think for our clients,
1: you have you have two homework assignments. Uh, number one is exactly what Eddie said. If you've got concerns, if you want to talk about anything, reach out. We want to schedule time with you. Um, part of why we do these videos is kind of give you the nice overview of here's where we are and, and here's the charts and here's the things to back up. We're not just... Sitting around the two of us debating things and deciding what we're going to do. There's a lot more that goes into it. A lot of research, and we have a whole team behind us that's not on our website. You don't see them, uh, but a whole team that we meet with every Tuesday in our Mm -hmm. investment committee, and we talk through all the research. And we have a team of of dozens of people that that work for us uh, to help help with what we are are coming to you with today, Uh, Mm -hmm. and actually some of the charts they put together for us, which is great. So we're here. To have those conversations. If you're worried, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call. Uh, I've had a client say, "I didn't. I, I don't want to bother you." Well, mm-hmm. well, that's what we're here for. We're here <laughs> yeah. for you, uh, right. and whatever you need is what you get. And, right. and there's a reason. There's a reason we don't charge hourly for our mm-hmm. clients because. I don't want anyone to ever say, well, I don't want you to start the clock and bill me for our time together. Call me. If you call me too many times, I'll tell you it's a problem. It's never been a problem yet. Never passed. We've yeah. never had a problem. Yeah. Uh, so that's number one is if you've got a problem call, if you're worried about anything, if you can't sleep at night, don't worry anymore, Just pick up the phone, send us an email, whatever it is. But number two, um, if you have a bunch of cash sitting in your accounts. You know, we have clients that um, they don't just use their swap account. They've got a savings account with quite a lot of cash in it. Mm -hmm. And even the best savings accounts out there earning maybe 1% at -hmm. this point. I just pulled up, um, you know, we talked about interest rates and it it jumped out to me on that fixed income, uh, the yield curve chart. We can buy a three-month bond right now. U.S. Treasury bond. I'm, I'm looking at my Schwab, what I could place a trade for right now, at 1.9%. Yep. So if you've got cash that you know you don't need for at least three months, let us know. Because we probably can take that and you can earn close to 2% for three months. Or if you don't need that money for a year, you know you, you know your car might break and you want a car, but you're not ready to pull the trigger on it yet, and you want to hold it, and you want to have the cash available, we can buy a one-year bond at almost 3% right now. That is a much better use of, of the money than sitting in an Ally savings account earning 1%. Uh, and Ally, I've had an Ally account. I actually still do. I don't have a lot in there because it's not earning anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not worth keeping in yeah. there. So I just want to throw that out there. We can buy really, really, really safe investments. So mm-hmm. if you do have cash that's sitting there, let's let's – take advantage of the fact that rates have really shot up and you're not going to take risk with it. So reach out. If you've got a problem, reach out if you've got extra cash that maybe we don't see
0: every day. Um, Cause we can help you with that. So
1: Eddie, anything you want to kind
0: of close with? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to close with a, um, with a sports analogy. So I know some folks um you know, they are uh, big sports fans, So this is a Tom Brady analogy. So uh, I'm from Indiana. I don't uh, like Tom Brady. <laughs> I was going to say, and I, and I know we've got, I know we've got, um, I know we've got uh, a good client. I'm going to say first name, Dan, who's a big Broncos fan, John Elway, the quarterback fan here. So, but uh, Tom Brady had this whole thing, his whole career, as long as decades long, 20 plus years, he was 1% better all the time consistently. And in 2020, when coronavirus hit, uh, he was at a golfing event and he ran into someone else. And the story goes that uh, after he finished his golfing outing, he was in the parking lot and he was running sprints. A guy who was an established MVP, you know, all the things. And the guy asked me, he goes, what are you doing running sprints after you play golf? And he goes, I'm training to win the Super Bowl next year. And the point is, is 1%, it doesn't seem like a lot incrementally, but there's something that we can do incrementally, whether it's a retiree looking at their budget and, you know, cutting things down or, you know, uh, there's all these inputs that go into it. And all we're trying to do is incrementally long-term, get to the point where you're a little bit better each and every day, each and every month and every year. And then we scroll out to this longer view of, you know, decades, you get to the point where we've been side sharing and seeing you grow. And that's kind of the goal that we have is, is, you know, we're not in this market. You're not going to hit a home run, but we're doing all these things, whether it's recommending a, a bond, or as you just mentioned, if there's a, a, you know, extra cash that you don't need and we can earn you three or 4%, we're looking at all these things and, uh, trying to make advice and recommendations and it may not work, but we're here for that. And we want to have those conversations with you. So, um, not saying I'm a big Tom Brady fan, but I love the concept of one percent every single yep. day. He tried to get better. I just think that's so key and practical for all of life. A lot, yep. really. Absolutely, it's the power of
1: compounding and making incremental changes. And you go the right direction, and as you said, um, a decade from now, two decades from now, you're gonna look you back and say, "Oh, I don't, I can't point to any one decision that was great, you know, necessarily that got me to where I am, but." here's all the little things we did that compounded over time. And I think that's huge. So uh, great way to end. Uh, You guys know how to reach us. We're here. Uh, We're here for you.
0: And uh, Eddie, thanks for joining us again today. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, Hope everyone's doing well. And uh, as Ben said, we're here if you have any questions and uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, schedule a meeting if you need it to just kind of uh, talk through some things. And uh, we're still consistently reaching out to folks throughout the year on things regularly. So that's happening, but, in the midst, middle of all that, as you said, you know, here, if you guys need anything. So absolutely. Thanks, Eddie. All right, go ahead. Take care.